Joel. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Um, my name's Sarah. If you don't know me, I'm the warden here at St. Peter's. So there's a couple of faces I don't recognize, so I hope I get the chance to say hi to you at the end. But um, I'm, it's great that to be able to be here today and talk about this passage. Um, I just thought I'd start by praying, actually. So shall, shall we pray? Father God, we just thank you that um, your spirit is here and your spirit is in your word. And Lord, we just pray that um, we will know more about who you are and your love for us as we go into your word tonight. Amen. So we are halfway through our series on the book of 1 John. And it's the first of three letters that John wrote to the church in Ephesus. And I want to give this message the title, Build Your Church. Because these letters are about the church. Not the church's relationship with the world, but how we can learn to love each other, brothers and sisters, inside of the church. It's not a letter written to us, but all scripture is written for us. So we know that the church in Ephesus was impressive in many ways. Jesus says so himself in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to that if you like. And it's, Revelation is also penned by the same John who wrote the book that we are studying tonight. So this is what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus. I'm going to read it now. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. So we see the church in Ephesus was hardworking, they were diligent, they probably used up a lot of their own resources, and they didn't even grow weary whilst they were doing it. They also suffered great hardship for the sake of Jesus, and they were very careful about pursuing correct doctrine and teaching. But there was one problem which Jesus called them out on later in Revelation. And this is what it says. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
See, the church in Ephesus was doing incredible things. But so serious was this failing, the forsaking of their first love, that Jesus was prepared to shut their church down. So what is their first love? Is it love for God? Is it love for their neighbor? Or is it love for each other? Now, I don't actually think Ben Strain spoke at this service last week. No, okay. So if you um, were at the morning service last week, we had an opportunity to watch it online. Um, you'll remember that Ben Strain, the vicar of Holy Trinity Sydenham, he said that when John, the author of this letter, was in his old age, the churches would invite him to say a few words to the congregation. And all he would say to them over and over again is little children love one another, which many commentators think this is what was missing inside the church in Ephesus. Wonderfully, the church in Ephesus heard what Jesus had to say about them and changed. They were not shut down. They even went on to become famous among the church fathers for having a reputation for being such a loving church. So let's return to our passage, 1 John chapter 3. And I'm going to look at a couple of themes John highlights. You had it read. There's a lot there. Um, so these are a couple of themes about what it means to love each other inside of the church. So the first is that to love each other means to deal with the state of our hearts in relation to one another. And the second theme is about the way we meet the material needs of our brothers and sisters. So let's start with the first theme. What does John say about what it means to deal with the state of our hearts in relation to one another? And to illustrate this, right in the middle of this chapter, in verses 11 and 12, John references the story of Cain and Abel. And this is what he says. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So the story of Cain and Abel is found in Genesis chapter 4 in the Old Testament. And to summarize the story, Adam and Eve give birth to Cain first and then Abel. They both work the land and they both give offerings to God from their produce. But God looks favorably on the younger brother's offering and less favorably on the older brother's offering. We are then told 
that Cain becomes enraged and jealous because of the favor his younger brother receives. And at seeing God's pleasure, Cain gets really angry with his brother. Despite God challenging him about his anger, Cain, who must be so full of bitterness at this point, goes out into the fields and kills his brother. John would not be referencing this story if the church of Ephesus was not also experiencing instances of envy. While they may not be killing each other over it, Jesus also warns us about envy and anger in our hearts because it stops us from loving those around us in a Christ-like way. So at this point, I thought I want to share a bit of my own story about where I have experienced this because envy is something that I have really struggled with too. And I can relate to the older sibling envy. Um, My brother and I went to the sort of schools where you have to take a test for. And we did some practice tests beforehand to see how well um, you're doing. And I remember finding out that my brother, and he's three and a half years younger than me, had scored vastly higher in some of these tests. And I can remember feeling angry and resentful that he had done better than me. And I'm very ashamed to say that this fueled competitiveness and jealousy of my younger brother, um, which I deeply regret. And not just because bitter people are unpleasant to be around, but I think it caused me to idolize and covet things in my life that I did not have. And I remember one day thinking, I have to deal with this. I must get rid of this in my life. Because it says in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And I remember having to tell myself, no, even if you feel like this, it's miserable being bitter and resentful and that person. I don't, won't allow myself to indulge these feelings. But my story is not a story of disciplining myself and working really hard and struggling, striving. The Bible promises that our hearts and our minds will be changed as the reality of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit works inside of us. And I'm not going to pretend that I understand how this process works. But I know that I needed to both recognize what was going on in my heart and give this over to God. And it's 100% true that God is in the business of continually transforming us from the inside out. And this week, I took my family out to celebrate my brother's recent success in his exams. And it was wonderful. And I am full of joy and pride that my younger brother did so well. And as I was writing this, I realized that God's power 
was able to change my heart. So praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the second theme, which is about the way we share our material possessions if our fellow brothers and sisters are in need. And I'm going to read verses 16 to 18 again in full. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. So the call to love our neighbor, it's the command Jesus gives, love your neighbor. It isn't what this particular letter is about. John is writing specifically about the ways brothers and sisters in the church can meet each other's needs. And I, I want to stress it's never, and I do mean never, about being inward looking or caring for the church at the cost of everyone else. But it is about noticing the needs around us and supporting one another as much as we do to those outside of the church. This means that anyone who comes into the community is also loved this way. It's not an either or, loving those in the church and loving those out of the church. Both are just as important to God. So as I said at the beginning, the message I like to, I'd like to give this talk is build your church. And the reason why is because God really cares about his church. And more than that, God wants to build his church. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18 to Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are called to preach the gospel and expand the church, but we are also called to care deeply about the relationships within the church we have, to love one another as Jesus loves us. But why? Why does this matter? Well, this isn't about building some fancy community just for the sake of it. I've recently been listening to a song called Build Your Church, and it's by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music, which is all about God's heart for his church and the particular authority God gives to his church. 
and all the lyrics are based on scripture. So I want to read some of these now. Upon this rock, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we bind and loose, we proclaim your truth. And in Jesus' name, we will not fail. The church that is full of the love of God for each other has the authority to bind all the powers of evil and to loose all the blessings of heaven through the agreement that comes in the power of our prayers. But in order to pray this way, us to pray this way, in order to strengthen the church, we must take seriously John's words. Little children, love one another. So it would be great if we could have a time of ministry. And I, I, as we go into this time of ministry, we want to say that this is only made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and dwelling in our church. Where two or three are gathered, he is there. That's why he loves the church. The powers of hell will not prevail when the church of Jesus Christ stands. Isn't it exciting to be part of it? So shall we stand? I'm going to pass over to Chris. He's going to lead us in a time of prayer. Thank you, Sarah. Let's pray. As I said, we want to just allow the Spirit of God to work within us. Um, and for some of us, we'll completely resonate with what Sarah's talking about, about kind of not feeling good enough and feeling like we need to compete and be seen, that we need to kind of um, prove ourselves as well. But for some of us, there'll be other things that you just feel stuck. And you're like, I just don't want to feel like that anymore. I don't want to feel... Um, that thing that stops me from being in loving relationship with other people. Um, so what we're going to do now is I'm going to say, I invite you to close your eyes so there's no magic in it. We just cause that distraction. Hold out your hands like you're going to receive a gift. Um, and as Nikki got us to do during worship, that thing that is making you feel stuck, that thing that you're like, I really don't want to think that way. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to react that way. We've all got something. There's no guilt or shame. We are all on this journey together of trying to, trying to become more like Jesus, to do the things he did and to help other people do the same. We're all on that journey together. There'll be a particular thing that you want God to remove. So let's just, let's just see it now. And then just as Nikki had us do earlier, just see yourself handing it over to Jesus. Say, Lord, take it. I don't want to carry this anymore. We can't do these things on our own. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. And it's by the Spirit of God that we can be set free.
for the spirit of the Lord is this freedom. So we're just going to wait from wait for a moment in silence. We're going to wait with God and just say, please take it. And in your mind's eye, some of you will be picturing this. When you see him take it, some of you might not see that, that's fine too. But if you see him take it, which is what he wants to do, say to him, what have you got for me in place of that? What good thing have you got for me? We're just going to wait. this is new to you, then well done. Keep on trying. Often we can dismiss our thoughts or they feel a bit jumbled. So it's often good just to say, God, can you steal my thoughts if you feel that they're going everywhere? We can bring everything to God. There's nothing we can't bring to him. Nothing too stupid, nothing too small, nothing too serious or too big. been thinking a lot about um, the passage in Psalm 2 that says God sits in the heavens and laughs at the plans of the enemy. The enemy plans to kill, steal and destroy and he does that by lies and by fear. It's like God sits in the heavens and he just laughs at the enemy's plans because God knows what, what he's got in store for us. He knows how the authority that we carry in him and as Sarah's talking about building his church, God knows where we're going and what we're becoming. So he laughs when the enemy plans things. So if there is that blockage, that thing, just kind of, I think she can, just picture God laughing at it. It might be serious to us, but he's like, I've got you, I know the plans for you.
And what we're going to do is, um, sorry, did I get some keys? Just a little bit, please help. Um, we've got a little bit of time. Um, so what I'd love to do is, um, we always have time to pray for each other. Um, so if you'd like prayer for anything at all, um, then we're going to have some space now, just whilst we fire up the ovens and get the pizza going. Um, so if you if you want, you're all sat down, so make it harder. But um, come and stand at the front. We've got prayer teams. If there's literally anything at all that you want prayer for, then then we're going to pray for each other. Um, and so this morning, you know, someone came up to us afterwards and said, I've got a toothache. Great, let's pray for it. Do you know what I mean? Like anything at all that's going on, we're just going to have a bit of time and space. If I could get you all to stand again, sorry. Um, it just makes it a bit easier for everybody because if you're coming to the front, then you're less exposed. So um, we're going to have a bit of time. We're going to take whatever.